الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على شرف الأنبياء والمرسلين وعلى آله وأصحابه أجمعين وبعد my dear brothers and sisters Bismillah Ta'ala Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala has in his great mercy granted us Ramadan Al-Kareem and then Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala granted us the opportunity to inshallah make the most of this blessed month of Ramadan through our ibadat, through Tilawat Al-Quran, through Salah, Saum, fasting, prayer and through Etikaf and so on. So we begin with thanking Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala Jalla Jalaluhu without whose mercy and without whose grace and without whose permission none of this would have been possible. The true value of these amal we will see when we stand before him Jalla Jalaluhu on the day of judgment and we ask Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala to complete our amal and make them kamil and to cover our obvious faults and to cover our broken amal and to make them perfect in a way which he will find acceptable before him. And that's the reason why it is very important to keep that in mind when we are doing anything. Obviously this world is a place of test and therefore with everything there is a negative element involved whether we like it or not. For example, you want to do etikaf, we all know the value of etikaf but then the thought comes into the mind, you know, the inconvenience of sleeping on the floor or maybe uh, Alhamdulillah in this masjid we make all efforts to make the toilets absolutely spick and span but you know, everyone has their uh, weak moments so there is this thing of saying I don't know whether the toilet will be good and, this, and so on and so forth uh, so there is always this thought of the inconvenience and then sometimes shaitan becomes ghalib and because the anticipated inconvenience it's not as if we experienced it because we, we haven't even started but uh, the anticipated inconvenience becomes such a big uh, you know sort of uh, cloud in the mind that it prevents us from this great ibadah of etikaf and this is uh, just one example there are many such examples so it's very important in that situation when we are struggling with these kinds of thoughts to Think of the value of this on the day of judgment. Believe me, on the day of judgment you are not going to be remembering what the toilet was like and you will not remember whether the floor was hard or, or soft. But you will see the value of that one day or one night of etikaf that you did on your scale and that is something that I can't possibly describe because even I don't know what the actual value of that is. That is with Allah Jalla Jalalu. And in a place where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in his adl will give a person the reward for saying subhanallah one more time than his neighbor. Nabi sallallahu said that a man will be sitting in Jannah and he will obviously in all comfort and then a breeze will come. And this breeze will be so fragrant and so beautiful that the man will ask the khuddam and the, and the, and the uh, servers around him and he will say where is this breeze from and they will tell him this breeze is from the next level of Jannah above yours so the man said next level of Jannah above mine is, has this breeze which is so beautiful they say yes so they will ask him so the man will then say well then that person in that 
next level of Jannah must have done some amazing things, you know, great good deeds and so on and so on. They will say, no. He did only one thing more than you. He says, what is that one thing? He said, he, in his zikr, he said, subhanallah, one time more than you did. That's it. Everything is equal. One time more, subhanallah. Now imagine the Iman of the Sahaba Ridwanullahi alayhi majmain because we have to truly and truly appreciate the Iman of the Sahaba Ridwanullahi alayhi majmain because they believed all of this unseen. We have also not seen the Jannah. But for me to visualize that somebody can actually count the number of times I say something is very easy because we've got the technology today to count all of that and more. We can do that. We, we don't have to say Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does it and how wonderful it is. Even we can do it today. But the Sahaba Ridwanullahi alayhi majmain they Believe this unseen. Today if you go to a, take, take for example if you go to an AT&T uh, network center and if you can listen to the telephone calls that are, that are going on the AT&T network, simultaneously there will be thousands of calls in probably 50 different languages, all of them going simultaneously across the world. So what's so great about that? I mean, today we, the, the, tech, the technology that we know, and by no means is this the epitome or the ultimate of technology because there were civilizations before us who had more than this. But we like to believe that we are the most evolved. We're definitely the most stupid, but other than that, I don't know what else. Because we, are, we know all of this and we are just busy destroying ourselves and destroying the world. So that's a sign of stupidity, it's not a sign of intelligence. But I'm saying that given the technology we have today to believe that somebody can simultaneously listen to hundreds of conversations in hundreds of languages simultaneously and record every single word this is something we can do so what's so great about and what's so marvelous about believing that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Jalla Jalaluhu can do all of this of course Allah can do this and more because Allah created you who can do this and Allah gave you the brain to create the machinery to do this any telephone network does that. Any telephone network does that. On a daily basis. But the Sahaba did not know this. They didn't have this technology. For them this was Iman Bil Ghaib. To say that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is real time watching and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is seeing and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is listening and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala records and on the day of judgment this record will be produced for you to see. فَمَنْ يَعْمَلْ مِثْقَالَ ذَرَّةٍ خَيْرًا يَرَهُ وَمَنْ يَعْمَلْ مِثْقَالَ شَرٍ خَيْرًا يَرَهُ وَمَنْ يَعْمَلْ مِثْقَالَ ذَرَّةٍ خَيْرًا يَرَهُ وَمَنْ يَعْمَلْ مِثْقَالَ ذَرَّةٍ شَرًا يَرَهُ This you will be shown and you will see an atom's weight of good and evil. So this is something for us to keep in mind that this day will come. And on this day, we will be presented before Allah Jalla Jalaluhu. And we will see what we did, actually see what we did. I am saying this to you, my brothers and sisters, because today the topic of my talk is uh, see with your heart. And I am saying see with your heart because this is the thing that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told us. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in Surah Al-Hajj, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, La ta'mal absar, walakin ta'mal qulubu allati fi sudur. Allah said their eyes do not go blind, but it is their hearts which go blind, which are in their chests. The eyes don't go blind. They can still see. 
but they no longer understand yafqun la yafqahuna biha qulubul la yafqahuna biha they have qulub they have hearts but they do not understand now i can in the text of this uh, lecture uh, i have given a link to uh, a scientific website where today the scientists have discovered that the heart is actually a place of understanding it's not just uh, organ pumping blood that it actually has neurons and it's a place of understanding and the heart actually understands and we understand because of the heart so this is something that we science tells us today and as i always keep lamenting as usual science takes centuries to catch up with the kalam of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala but good for the scientists that the muslims are too lazy to understand the kalam of allah and they are too lazy to do research in the kalam of allah so we are as stupid as we always were while other people are catching up with that and they're saying we can actually understand with our hearts and the best that we can say is yeah 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 we knew that 1400 years ago and i said like hell you knew it 1400 you don't even know it today you don't even know it today if those scientists didn't discover that and if you could not read what's on their website and i ask you tell me how does the heart understand you have no clue so don't fool yourself you have no clue and the evidence you will give me is the, is the evidence that they discovered through their research so this is absolutely lack of integrity and lying to say that our kalam of allah the kalam of allah kalam of allah told us yes but you didn't listen you did not listen because you treated the kalam of allah jalla jalaluhu as li like it was some kind of magic mantra that you had to repeat and recite when was the last time that you and i take for example a a class of hifz and the student is doing hifz and the ustad is listening to his daur when was the last time that the ustad stopped you and said you just recited this ayah what happened to your heart at this time what is going on inside you now for example allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said innamal mu'minuna alladhina idha dhukira allah wajilat qulubuhum wa idha tuliyat alayhim ayatuhu zadathum imana wa ala rabbihim yatawakkalun allah subhanahu wa ta'ala specifically mentioned certain changes that should happen inside you so allah said truly only they are the believers only those are the believers who when the name of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is mentioned before them their heart shiver with the grace and awe and majesty of allah so when you are reciting this ayah did your ustad stop you and say ibrahim you just recited this ayah what is happening to your heart right now did this ever happen to you did you ever do this to yourself when you were reading the quran and you came to this ayah did you ever stop and say allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying this should happen to me allah is giving me a meter to measure my iman so let me see what is that did anything happen to my heart nothing nothing whereas allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said what did allah say happens as the effect of his kalam law anzalna hadha alquran ala jabalin laraitahu khashiyan mutasaddiya khashiyan mutasaddiyan min khashiyatillah wa tilka lamsal nadribuha linnasi la'allahum yatafakkarun Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told us clearly by the effect of my kalam is that if this is sent down onto a mountain the mountain will humble itself and disintegrate and turn to dust and we give these examples to people so that they understand why is Allah giving us this example so we look at ourselves and say did this happen to me because I just read the kalam of Allah 
When Allah said the kalam is sent onto a mountain, does it mean he put a book on a rock? No. It means if this kalam is received by the mountain the way it is supposed to be received. Allah Iqbal used to say, his father had a methodology for him that uh, he could not leave the house in the morning until he finished his recitation of Quran for the day. So Iqbal Rahmatullahi said that I was sitting one day and, and reading and my father was walking up and down and he stopped in front of me and he said this will not have an effect on you until these ayat make nuzul on your heart. Imagine, his father is telling, he's reading Quran, his father is telling him it will not have an effect on you until these ayat make nuzul, until these ayat are revealed on your heart. Reading them is not going to help you. That does not mean don't read. Of course you must read. But read with that istihzar of that ilm. Make the Quran become nazil on your heart. That is the purpose of the kalam of Allah And that is the meaning of a heart which can see, a heart which can understand. So let me ask you, let me give you an example and, tell, and you tell me what it means. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed لَن تَنَالُوا الْبِرَّا حَتَّى تُنْفِقُوا مِمَّا تُحِبُّونَ What does it mean anybody? What is the meaning of that? لَن تَنَالُوا الْبِرَّا حَتَّى تُنْفِقُوا مِمَّا تُحِبُّونَ Well Anyone? You will not have piety until you give in the Path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that which you love the most. Right? You will not have piety until you give in the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Jalla Jalaluhu that which you love the most. So did Wasim give me the meaning of the ayah or did he give me the translation of the ayah? Which one? So what is the meaning of that? If that is the translation of the ayah, what is the meaning of the ayah? The meaning of the ayah is what was understood by Abu Talha al-Ansari radiallahu anhu when this ayat was revealed. What did he do? He came to Rabbi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and he said, Ya Rasulullah, this is the document for my most valuable date orchard which is famous in Medina, the most valuable piece of real estate that I own. I love it. It's the most beautiful date garden. It was something that Rasulullah himself loved very much. It had a beautiful well of sweet water. It was thick, thick, thick with shade. And Nabi Sallallahu used to go and sit on the on the on the bank of, on the on the wall of this well uh, and rest sometimes. Abu Talha Al-Ansari comes and he brings this thing to Nabi Sallallahu and he said, Ya Rasulullah, here are the documents and I want to give this to you in Sadaqa. Nabi Sallallahu said, Why are you giving it in Sadaqa? What happened? He said, Because Allah revealed Lantanal ulbir. So did he understand the translation or did he understand the meaning? Do you get what I am saying? Today we have confused translation with meaning. And may Allah forgive us, many of us don't even know the translation. So But even those who know the translation, they know the translation. Do you know the meaning? 
You don't know the meaning. Abu Talha Al-Ansari knew the meaning. The moment the ayat came, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala did not send me this ayat for me to understand the translation. Allah sent me the ayat to do something. To do something. Understanding meaning means to do something. What is the what is the meaning what is the meaning of shir? Asad. What is the meaning of Asad? Ya Ikhwan Minan Arab, all of you have gone dumb about Asad. Huh? Lion, right? He's saying lion, peace with lion, lion. Come with me to South Africa, I'll take you into a, into a game park, into a predator enclosure, and I'll let you out of my car, and I'll put up the car windows and lock the car, and then you will see a lion. Will the extent of your knowledge change? No, same knowledge, lion. Asad. This is the lion. So what will you say to the lion? Say, Salaam Alaikum Ya Asad. Hey Falal. You'll say, Ana Jawan. You'll say, I'm very hungry. And then he will say, we'll look at him and he will say, well, you are like a toothpick. I mean, there's no point in eating you because, you know, you want a nice fat guy, I mean. <laughs> Do you get the point I'm making? The fact that the word Asad means lion is the translation of the word Asad. The meaning of Asad you will understand when you are standing in front of the lion looking into those yellow merciless eyes and you have lost control of your bowels. Then you understand the meaning of Asad. What is the meaning of Asad? <coughs> This is the issue of experiencing the knowledge of Islam. And this lack of doing that, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala called it the blindness of the heart. Because the lack of doing that enables us to commit sin. How many of you have not read that ayat of the Quran in Surah Al-Baqarah where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said that if you do not give up your interest dealings, then take a declaration of war from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and his Nabi Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa How many of, this, of the people in this room and people listening to this lecture, how many of you do not know about this ayah, you never heard about this, we don't, anyone like that? Then what prevents you from getting out of interest-based earnings? Because you understand the translation of the ayah. You don't understand the meaning of buying war with Allah Jalla Jalla That is the meaning of the blindness of the heart. See with your heart means to experience this knowledge and see what changes this knowledge brings about in my life. And until I can experience that knowledge, the knowledge does not help. And the worst case scenario is that the knowledge actually becomes a hujjat against me on the day of judgment because you were told. You were informed. You cannot say, I never heard. I did not know. No, no, you knew. We knew. You knew. But you decided not to accept. So try to experience this. Try to experience this. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala introduced himself. I decided to the ayat for you yesterday. 
and recited only one of them today. Experience it and tell me what does it mean, not the translation. What does it mean? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, Allahu la ilaha illa huwa al-hayyul qayyum La ta'akuduhu sinatun wa la nawm Lahu ma fi s-samawati wa ma fi l-ard Man dhaladhi yashfa'u indahu illa bi-idhni يَعْلَمُ مَا بَيْنَ أَيْدِيهِمْ وَمَا خَلْفَهُمْ وَلَا يُحِيطُونَ بِشَيْءٍ مِّنْ عِلْمِهِ إِلَّا بِمَا شَاءٌ وَسِعَ كُرْسِيُّهُ السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ وَلَا يَؤُدُهُ حِفْظُهُمَا وَهُوَ الْعَلِيُّ الْعَظِيمُ what is the meaning? Anybody? Bolovai, what is the meaning? Translation we know, meaning. About the right. Sorry, what is the meaning? Hello people, I know that today is an odd night, but you want to just sit here like this forever till the morning? Talk. What is the meaning? What is it doing inside? Anything? Is anything happening inside? No. What is happening? Now do you understand why it is necessary to work? You understand why it is necessary to work? We have been fooled and we have fooled ourselves into believing that we have to work if you want to build a good body. You have to work if you, have to, if you need to make some money. You have to work if you need to get a degree in medicine or engineering or whatnot. You have to work if you want to play good cricket. Unless you go and do eight hours of net practice, there is no way that you are going to get anywhere in the picture. We have been taught that we have to work for everything that we get or can get in this dunya. Every single one of which is going to be left behind. Whether you die with a six pack or a pot belly, the worms will eat you. There is nothing romantic about looking like a pregnant cow. <laughs> But that does not have any effect on your akhirah. So by all means build your body. But who is going to build your soul? What is the good of a beautiful body and a soul that looks like a leper in its terminal stages of leprosy? It's the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that He has covered our souls. And I thank Allah Jalla Jalaluhu that He did not allow you to see my soul. I am not trying to be facetious or needlessly modest. This is my belief about myself. And I am saying it to you not because it is sunnah to talk about weaknesses, but because I am following the sunnah of the Khulafa Rashida, 
Umar ibn al-Khattab anhu, one day called the people into the masjid and he stood on the member everybody gathered he stood on the member and he said that there was a time when I as a boy used to go and graze the sheep of my aunts and once and my aunt would give me a handful of raisins or dates or something as my ujrat as my wage for the day and then sometimes one of the sheep would get lost and my aunt would beat me and she would tell me you are so useless you can't even look after sheep and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Jalla Jalalu today made me Amirul Mu'mineen and gave me the responsibility of looking after all of you and he got off the member so Abdurrahman ibn Nawf who was also there he was sitting in front when he finished and came out Abdurrahman ibn Nawf said what was the point of this khutbah why did you do this he said all you did was you went and stood on the member and you humiliated yourself and you came down what was the what was the great thing about this why did you do that Umar ibn al-Khattab said I did it because I was walking in the street and I my heart told me that Masha Allah you are Amirul Mu'mineen you are Khalifatul Muslimin so he said I had to train and teach my my heart my nafs a lesson and that is the lesson that I taught my nafs to say that you are not even fit to grace sheep it is only the Qudrat of Allah Jalla Jalal who made you this in this position and that's why I am saying to you that I am not fit to sit in front of you here and my Rabb is my witness and he has covered my soul so you can't see it and that's why you are sitting here if you could see my soul you would not sit here so who is going to work on the soul who is going to work on the heart and just like exercise you want to build a body you have to go and work out in the gym you you can't delegate somebody else and say Naman you go and work out Naman will work out he, his body will build you can't give it to somebody else you have to do it yourself why my brothers and sisters do you think from the Prophet ﷺ to the Sahaba to the Salaf Salihin, why did they pray like they prayed? Why did they stand all night in Salah? Why did they pray Nafil after Nafil after Nafil after Nafil after Nafil? Why? Hassan al-Basri is praying Tahajjud. And when he stands on the Musalla, he says, Ya Rab, the whole world has gone to sleep. Even the stars have gone to sleep. There are only two who are awake. You on your arsh and me here. And then he's done the Allah. He's praying tahajjud and he hears a noise in the house. Like there is an intruder. He continues to pray. When he finishes the two rakat of salah, there is a man standing in the room. And the man says to him, what kind of a man are you? So Hassan Basri said, who are you? He said, no, no, hold on. What kind of a man? You have nothing in the house. So Hassan Basri said, Hassan Basri said, who are you? He said, I'm a thief. I came to take something from you. I came to steal from you, but you have nothing. So he said, I thought to myself, I must at least tell you this and go. I can't just leave like this. What kind? He said, what kind of life? He said, what kind of life is this? So Hassan Basri said, no, no, I have and I will give you. He said, what have you got? He said, I'll give you. 
The thief is also a Muslim. So, <laughs> so Hassan Basri he told him, go make wudu and come. So the man made, made wudu and he came. Hassan Basri said, stand here next to me. He said, Allahu Akbar. Huh? And then Hassan al-Basri is with his Rabb. Jalla Jalal. And this thief is standing next to him. Listening to his Qarat or Quran. Seeing his khushud Salah. Hassan al-Basri finishes two rakat of Salah. The man falls at his feet. He says, Wallahi you gave me today. He said, you gave me wealth like I never got before. He said, I make tawbah. May Allah forgive me, please make dua for me, I make tawbah, I leave this job. He said, this is not the job for me. You gave me today ni'mah from Allah Jalla Jalla. Hassan Basri never told the man, don't steal. It is a bad thing, it is haram, nothing. Nothing. Why? Because Hassan al-Basri rahmatullahi's heart was alive. When he recited the Quran, it came from the heart. I always say, the tune of the Qari is the understanding of the Kalam of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Qiratul Quran is not song. It is not nasheed. Qiratul Quran is not song. The Qari is not reciting a tune. He is not singing a song. The tune in the voice of the Qari is his understanding of the Kalam of Allah Jalla Jalla. I remember in, I was praying somewhere, I think, the, I, don't, I can't remember, now, it's Saudi Arabia or Kuwait or something. And the Qari was reciting, May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless the Qurra who know what they are saying. And he recited this ayah where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, كَيْفَ تَكْفُرُونَ بِاللَّهِ وَكُنْتُمْ أَمْوَاتًا فَأَحْيَاكُمْ ثُمَّ يُمِيتُكُمْ ثُمَّ يُحِيُّكُمْ ثُمَّ إِلَيْهِ تُرْجَعُونَ But the way the man said it, he said, كَيْفَ تَكْفُرُونَ بِاللَّهِ كَيْفَ تَكْفُرُونَ بِاللَّهِ How can you deny Allah? How can you deny Allah? And he kept on saying, كَيْفَ تَكْفُرُونَ كَيْفَ تَكْفُرُونَ كَيْفَ مُمْكِنْ How is this possible? كَيْفَ تَكْفُرُونَ بِاللَّهِ وَكُنْتُمْ أَمْوَاتًا You are dead. You did not exist. You did not exist. هَلَا تَعَلَى الْإِنسَانِ حِينٌ مِّنَ الدَّهْرِ لَمْ يَكُنْ شَيْئًا مَذْكُورًا Even your name did not exist. Even your name did not exist. فَأَحْيَاكُمْ He gave you life. And you deny him. ثُمَّ يُمِيتُكُمْ ثُمَّ يُحِيكُمْ ثُمَّ إِلَيْهِ تُرْجَوْنَ Don't forget. He gave you life, it is his. He will take it back. Then he will give it back to you and revive you. And to him is your return. My brothers and sisters, the day will come. If somebody tells you today, who is sitting giving this lecture, what will you say? What will you say? You forgot my name. But a day will come. When if somebody of you is there. And I will also on that day be before you. And on that day also you will be behind me. And then some of you will say, stand on this side of the mayyit. And stand on that side of the mayyit. Make so many sof for Salatul Janazah. You will not say, stand on this side of Yawar Beg. 
stand on that side of Yawar Beg. And if somebody says, why are you calling him Mayyad? The man has a name. You will say, no, no, no. The man had a name. Today he is Mayyad. He does not have that name anymore. Gone. Yes or no? I remind myself of that day and I ask you to remind yourself of that day because that day will come on you and it will come on me. Whether we are rich or poor, whether we have power or no power, whether we are healthy or sick, whether we are tall or short, whether we are fat or thin, whether anything, whether, 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 this day will come when we will lose our identity and the identity will be Mayit. And that is the reason why we need a heart which is alive, a heart which sees. Imam Al-Awzai is going in for Umrah. And Imam Al-Awzai is going for Umrah and Imam Al-Awzai said that they came to a place where there was, the, the, their, their caravan was waylaid by highway robbers. And they were looting. And some people got hurt and maybe someone got killed and so on. And then Imam Al-Awzai is standing there and the head of the highway robbers, I'm talking about people whose heart is alive. The head of the highway robbers came and stood in front of Imam Al-Awzai. He's got a naked sword in his hand and he said, who are you? Now, for those of you who don't know who Imam Al-Awzai is, he was one of the great Imams of the Zahiri Mazhab. And he was an Imam of the same level of as Imam Abu Hanifa, Imam Shafi and others. His fatawa are studied till today. So, great scholar, Mufti, Imam. This man says, who are you? What do you do? What's your work? Imam Al-Awzai does not tell him, I am a faqih, I am an Imam, I am... He says, I teach children Quran. He says, I am a teacher of Quran. He says, I teach children Quran. So this man says to him, the highway robber, he says to Imam Al-Awzai, so read some Quran for me. Recite some Quran. You are a teacher of the Quran, right? So recite something. And Imam Al-Awzai recites only one ayah. Only one ayah of Surah Al-Zariyat. Where he said to the man, I'm talking about the heart of a highway robber. You expect the heart to be blind, right? Imam Al-Awzai just recites one ayah, he does not give the explanation, nothing, nothing, nothing. The man is also Arab, he understands the language, he understands the translation. He says, That your risk is on the heavens and whatever you want, whatever you desire. Imam Al-Awzai said the man started shivering. He started shivering, the sword dropped from his hand. He said, this is Quran? My Rabb said this? My risk is in the heavens? Then why am I doing this? <coughs> you are sure this is the Quran? Allah said, yes. He said, my risk is in the heavens. Why am I doing this? He threw his sword down. He told his people, I am making Tawbah, you make Tawbah, give back these people their possessions. We are done with this job. One ayah. One single ayah. Allah says, 
we got back all our things and so on and we proceeded we went to and these people left the highway robbers they left he said we reached the haram and we made umrah and so on and then he said a couple of days later I was making tawaf and I heard somebody weeping and Allah says I heard somebody weeping and the sound was so pathetic and so tragic he says it was like a woman whose newborn baby was taken from her arms the throat was slit and it was given back to the woman what will that woman do mother newborn baby somebody cuts the throat and gives the dead baby back to the mother bleeding in her arms how would she cry he said that was the kind of crying so Al-Awzai said, I was, I heard this crying and it really affected me. I said, who is this man? He said, when I went to look for the man, who was the man? It was this chief of highway robbers. And he was weeping before Allah. Weeping before Allah, making tawbah. So Imam Al-Awzai says to him, he said, I went there and I recited the next ayah. He told him, of his sama iris koku mama tu'adun. And he said, I recited for him the next ayah. Where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, فَوَرَبِّ السَّمَاءِ وَالْأَرْضِ إِنَّهُ لَحَقِّ مِثْلَ مَا أَنَّكُمْ تَنْتِقُونَ Allah said, By the Rabb of the heavens and the earth. Allah is taking an oath by himself. I am talking to you about the heart of a highway robber. Allah is taking an oath by himself. فَوَرَبِّ السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ فَوَرَبِّ السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ إِنَّهُ لَحَقِّ What is Haqq? The previous ayah. This is Haqq. What is Haqq? وَفِي السَّمَاءِ رِسْخُكُمْ وَمَا تُوَعْدُونَ This is Haqq. And Allah is saying, by my qasam, by my oath as the creator of the heavens and the earth, this is true. And this is so true and so clear as if you talk to one another. Believe it as if you are talking to one another. Imam Al-Awzai says, the man stopped crying. And he says to me, why does my Rabb have to take an oath by himself to convince me? Why does my Rabb have to say something like this to convince me? I am nothing. My Rabb does not have to take such a big oath for me. Why does my Rabb have to take an oath like this for me? Allah says the man was not an alim. He was a simple man. He was a jahil man. He took the word of the Quran literally. And it affected his heart like this. He said my Rabb took an oath for me. <laughs> heart which is alive even the heart of a highway robber I ask myself and ask you what is the state of our hearts how are we going to face Allah Jalla Jalaluhu with the kind of heart we have what is the plan to do something about this heart as I told you we have to work this dunya Allah made it for work Allah made it for work. وَأَلَّيْسَ لِلْإِنسَانِ إِلَّا مَا سَعَى In this dunya, there is nothing for a human being except what he works for. 
we want to awaken uh, our hearts we have to work on those hearts and that work is the zikr of Allah that work is tilawatul Quran that work is understanding and reflection and that's why this etikaf is such a blessing such a mercy for Allah Jalla Jalla. we should have been doing etikaf in any case even if there was zero reward in it because of the effort that comes before because of the of the result that comes from it but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in his mercy and grace he also gives reward for this etikaf heart which is alive I want to close with a final story of a, of a person whose heart was alive Rasulullah is in the masjid and a young orphan comes to him and he is, he is weeping, he is crying Nabi said, why are you crying? He said, Ya Rasulullah I am an orphan as you know and my father left me a small piece of land which has some dead palms on it and I want to build a wall around it to secure the place and he says this wall in one place there is a dead tree which belongs to my neighbor Abu Lubaba anhu. so he says this dead tree is in the middle so I can't take my wall there I can't take my wall around the dead tree so he said I asked Abu Lubaba anhu, I asked him I said my uncle please allow me to take the wall around your tree he said no the tree is mine so he said okay the tree is yours so sell me the tree sell me the tree I pay you for the tree and I take my wall around the tree he said no the tree is mine I don't want to sell it he said please help me he said no it's my tree my property I can sell or not sell so now this poor kid is helpless so he came to Mr. Salam so Rasulullah said, where is Abu Baba? Call Abu Baba. So they called him. And this is a good Sahabi. He's not a, he's not a Munafiq or anything like this. So he came. Nabi said, give him the tree. He said, Ya Rasulullah, Adal. It is my haq. It is my tree. I don't want to give it. Rasulullah said, sell him the tree. Take some money for it. He said, no. I don't want to give the tree. I don't want to sell the tree. Then Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said to him, Ya Abi Lubaba, sell me the tree. And I will give you a tree in Jannah. In exchange. Right? Sell me the tree and I will give you a tree in Jannah as the price of this tree. What is the meaning of a tree in Jannah? Bashar of Jannah? You can't have a tree in Jannah and you are in Jahannam and saying, you know what, my tree is there. <laughs> Bashar of Jannah? Yes. Abu Lubaba radiallahu anhu, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows why people do what they do. Abu Lubaba said, Ya Rasulullah, I am not selling my tree and he walked away. He walked away. Now this whole conversation is happening and there is another Sahabi who was sitting in the masjid and his name was Abu Dahda. Al-Ansari not Abu Darda, Abu Darda is another Sahabi, this Abu Dahda, Al-Ansari He was sitting there and he's watching this whole thing happening. So when Abu Lubaba left, Abu Dahda came to Nabi Sallallahu and he said, Ya Rasulullah, how about I get that tree for you? So Rasulullah said, sure. But he said, no, but if I get the tree for you, will you give me the same price for the tree? Will I get the same deal of the tree? One tree in Jannah for me. Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said, yes, same deal for you. You get the tree for me and you get one tree in Jannah. 
Abu Lubaba Radelano ran behind this man. Uh, Abu Dahda Radelano ran behind Abu Lubaba. By then Abu Lubaba has reached the middle of the market in Medina. So Abu Dahda caught up with him and he said to him, he said salam and then he said, do you know who I am? He said, of course I know who you are. He said, no, who am I? So Abu Lubaba said, what, this kind of a joke or something? Of course I know who you are. What do you mean? Who? No, 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 I want to list, hear from you. Tell me, who, who, who am I? So now, middle of the market, people are, people are also gathering around what's going on. So they're listening. So Abu Lubaba said, you are Abu Dahda and what we know about you is that you have the most valuable piece of real estate, the best date garden in Medina, which has 600 bearing date trees and it has your house in which you live and it has a sweet water well and there is perennial water in your garden. This is who you are and this is what we know about you. Abu Dahda said, yes, that is what, this is who I am and this is what you know about me. He said, I came to do a deal with you. He said, what's the deal? He said, I came to buy your date tree. That date tree that you, Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam asked you for, I came to buy it. Abu Lubaba said, I did not sell it to the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Why will I sell it to you? I'm not selling. It's not for sale. Abu Dahada said, no, hold on a second. Hold on a second. Let me tell you the whole deal. Right? Before you decide one way or the other. He said, what deal? He said, how about you sell me that tree and as a price of that tree, I give you my date garden. So Abu Lubaba said, you're crazy or what? You're mad, you're, crazy. you're talking nonsense. He said, no, 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 I'm telling you seriously. Now, by now this is like breaking news. Everybody's gathered around. This is man has got nuts or what's happened to him. So Abu Lubaba said, you are telling me that in exchange for my one tree, you will give me 600 date trees, bearing date trees, with the house, with the well, with the garden, everything. Abu Dada Al-Ansari said, yes, that is what I am telling you. The price of that one date tree is my whole garden, 600 trees, well, house, everything. So Abu Lubaba said, you are sure about this? You are not going to back out? He said, no, I am not going to back out. You are sure? I am sure. He said, taken. Sold. Abu Dada Al-Ansari told the people, you are all witness, I just sold my garden to this man for that one tree. The people are looking at this man, is mad, what, what is he doing? One tree and he gives 600 trees. Abu Dada who goes straight from there to the masjid and says, Ya Rasulullah, I got your tree. And then he says, Ya Rasulullah, please tell me, my, my tree in Jannah, you told me, I will get it. Rasulullah said, Ya Abu Dada. He said, when I promised you, I promised you one tree. He said, but now, your Rabb showed me your Jannah. And your Jannah is filled with trees. Your Rabb has planted trees for you. In the Jannah, not one. Allah knows how many. Abu Dahada who then goes to his garden. He stands outside the garden. And he calls to his wife and says, Ya Umm Dahada. She comes out of the house. He says, come. Where? He said, bring the children, leave. I just sold this whole thing. He said, sold it? He said, sold it. The whole garden, the house, everything sold. She said, to whom and for what? He said, I sold all of this to Muhammad to the Prophet for one tree in Jannah. You know what his wife says? She says, what a bargain. She says, Alhamdulillah, what a bargain. Huh? 
says, Alhamdulillah, what a bargain. She calls the kids and says, come, let's go. They're taking all the kids out. One little one has got a couple of dates. He's living, he's living inside a date garden. What will he have? He had a two couple of dates in his hand, one date in his mouth. His mother takes the dates, throws them back, takes it out of his mouth, throws them. He says, we sold this to Rasulullah Don't take it. It doesn't belong to us. Let's go. My brothers and sisters, I want to end with one ayah of Kalam Allah where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala asked a question. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, Alam ya'ni lilladheena amanu lam takshaa khuloobuhum li dhikrillah. Allah said, has not the time come yet for the people who believe, for their hearts to be softened by the dhikr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that's the question I ask myself. Has the time come for me yet or not? And I request you ask yourself this question. Has the time come for you, for the kalam of Allah, to do something to your heart? Has the time come for you to respond and say, Labbaik, Allahumma labbaik, labbaik ala sharik alaka labbaik, inna alhamda, wa ni'mata. Mulk, la lak. Has the time come? Or are we waiting for something else? I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Jalla Jalla who would be pleased with you. I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to open your hearts to his nur. I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to give you from his treasures. I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to cover you with his mercy and to cover you with his cover so that nobody sees your faults. I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to keep you in his protection and to strengthen you with his strength and to open your hearts to this deen of Muhammad Mustafa sallallahu alayhi wa alihi wa sallam. I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make you the living, walking, talking models of Islam. I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make you those who the malaika will look at and remember Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and send salat and salam on him and send salam on you. I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make you guides for people who come into contact with you in whichever way that might be. I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make you beacons of guidance in your life so that anyone who you meet gets hidayah, that anyone you talk to gets hidayah, that anyone who looks at you gets hidayah, anyone you look at will get hidayah, anyone who walks on the path on which you have gone away will get hidayah. I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that on the day of judgment you be among those who are given the shade of his arsh on a day when there will be no shade except his shade. I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make you among those who Rasulullah said that there will be people from my ummah who each one of them will lead hundreds of thousands of people into the Jannah. I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make each one of you those who will lead hundreds and thousands and millions of people into the Jannah because of the work that you did. I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to be with you throughout your life. I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to strengthen you at the time of your death. I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to be with you when you are dying in, your, in the time of your death where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said that we are with you. I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to be with you at that time to strengthen you and to keep you and to strengthen you in your I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala 
to, to widen your graves and to make your qubur riyad mean riyadul jannah to make your qubur, your qubur the, the gardens from the gardens of jannah I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala jalla jalaluhu to make you among those who will be given the water of kawthar by the blessed hand of Muhammad Mustafa sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make you those who will follow Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam across the sirat into jannatul firdausul ala bi ghayri hisab wa sallallahu ala nabi al-kareem wa ala alihi wa ashabihi ajma'in bi rahmatika ya arhamar rahimin wa alhamdulillahi rabbil alamin